Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come again to your word, this book that has uh, life for us. It has truth. And Lord, as we are, are looking into this reality of living into the kingdom still, God, we, we are seeking the kingdom. We want to know what it means to live in your kingdom and to know the fullness of that reality. So God, be with us. Uh, point out areas where we are out of line with, with that reality and with, out of line with your will. And Lord, lead us clearly into the, uh, the path that you would have us take. So our God, we pray that by the power of your word and the work of your Holy Spirit that we might encounter you and your will and your truth today. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago I was uh, speaking and I actually misspoke. I told you that we were finishing up the series uh, and I assumed at the time I wasn't s referencing the Jesus You've Got to Be Kidding Me series. I was actually thinking about the segment of it that came from Ephesians 5 and 6 about family. So really we're not yet done the series that we're still engaging in, Jesus You've Got to Be Kidding Me. I personally am really enjoying this. I don't know about you. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's something that, that uh, God is using to speak into your life. But I love the challenge personally. These sermons speak to me as much, maybe more, I don't know, than, than you. I hope they're speaking to you profoundly. But they are a call for us to fully embrace the way of the kingdom, to really understand what it means to uh, live for Christ as part of that kingdom reality. So we're going to, to go forward again. What I hope uh, is becoming absolutely clear to you is that life in the kingdom is intended to be dramatically different from life in the world. Normal life, if you would, uh, in, in this country of ours. We are called to recognize the truth of what is in terms of God's presence and, and his calling and the realities of the kingdom of heaven. And if we will do that and actually believe them to the full and live into them, my goodness, our lives will change and look different from everyone else in this world of ours. You know, for example, we've talked about not worrying. We are to live a life where we just don't worry anymore about the things that we need, and we literally experience God providing for us all the time as we seek the kingdom. That's to be the focus, the, the passion, the intention. And we, we will encounter God providing for us without worry. Recently, we've talked about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, to lay down our interests for the sake of others, to consider others as more valuable than us, and, and, and to meet their needs instead of our own in family and in and, and all relationships, actually. That's different. That's not the way the world functions. And when we come to the text today, you're going to find, I believe, here more than any other sermon I'm going to preach in this series, a challenge for us in this culture that uh, Jesus brings to us to live remarkably different than what the norm is in Canada in the 21st century. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, the text is about our relationship with wealth and money and what to do with it. And as I say, we're called to something very, very, very different than the pattern, the norm, if you would, in our world today. So I'm going to read to you Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And then we'll work our way through. It says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the first thing that I want to do is to point out to you and really encourage you to, to focus your attention on the fact that Jesus is, is seeking and is addressing primarily not our behavior, but the condition of our hearts. I want you to notice three key words that are here. Number one, the idea of treasure. What do we treasure? What do we highly value? Number two, what do we love? And number three, what are we devoted to? You see, these terms are critical to the text, and they give reference to our hearts. And that's where I want you to think, what I want you to think about as we move through this text today. Where is my heart in relationship to this text? Where is my heart in, in terms of what Jesus is describing? Now, all of this is given in the context of instruction for people who are living in the kingdom of heaven. People who have entered the kingdom by faith in Jesus. And those who have entered into the kingdom by faith in, in Jesus are people who have had their hearts transformed, changed. We, by the work of the Holy Spirit, are people who, who, who live in a, a different way because of a changed condition deep within us. It reflects the reality of, of, of living the truth of what we believe is described as the kingdom of heaven. So let's think about the reality of our hearts as we move through this text more than anything else. We'll talk about how to live it out uh, later on. But uh, first of all, Jesus here is speaking in the context, and we're going to talk about what it means to treasure something, first of all. Jesus was living in a context where it was normal to treasure wealth. And that's, that's what's being described here. Um, storing up for your tr yourselves treasures on earth or in heaven. But, it, but it, 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 it literally means to deposit. It means to, to store away something for safekeeping. Something that we highly value. That's the idea of something we treasure. Something that is really important to us. Jesus is talking about the possibility, as the text goes on, about loving this treasure. Why do you love something? Because it's incredibly important to you. The idea of, of, of storing it up speaks to the idea of accumulation of wealth. Not just money, it's our relationship with money. It's what our hearts has to do with money. And if we really value it, if we really treasure it, the idea that Jesus is addressing is, is this norm of storing it up, building it up, if you would, accumulating it in significant proportions. Now, I know in our culture that the general idea is the more you have, the better off you are. It seems to be the goal to accumulate more. To have more is better than to have less. There's a phrase that's known and, and, and somewhat com common to us. It again speaks to, to a sense of co competition in life or competitiveness in life. And the phrase is that the guy or I guess the woman who ends up with the most toys wins. You know, the guy who or the woman who ends up with the, most amount of the biggest amount of money in the bank, the greatest accumulation, and with the greatest number of toys, the things that money can buy, he's the winner over those who have less. You see the priority of this? The value of it that we give to in our society? You see, that, th that's a reality because people really do value money. They really do value wealth, and they really do treasure it in their hearts. Make their decisions because of it. Form their lives around this thing that they consider so important. For example, there are some people who will sacrifice the well-being of their family 
to make more money. <coughs> there are people who will sacrifice their marriage and, and give themselves to work, make that a greater priority, that, that, that opportunity for accumulation of greater value than spending time with a husband or a wife. And there are people who will sacrifice their relationships with their children. Happens all the time because they so treasure, highly value wealth. There are people who will violate their conscience in order to get more, you know, do what is unethical, do what is even immoral, because, man, if I can take hold of that treasure, if I can accumulate more stuff, it's worth it to some. There are people who will choose careers, and I think this happens a lot, based on how much money they can make. That seems to be the primary consideration. And if you can get into one of those positions or professions where you can make the most money, that's what you go for. That's the motivation. That's the primary consideration. There are people who will stay in a job they really hate because the money is good, you know, <laughs> or it, 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 they feel it is safe and they feel it is secure. You see, getting and building a treasure is a primary motivation in life. I would suggest to you in this world of ours, in this culture of ours, uh, it's something that is highly, highly valued. Jesus comes along with a radical perspective. And I, I can't overestimate this more uh, in any way. Jesus' perspective is radical to our culture. And it's sometimes hard for us to really deeply appreciate what he's saying because we're so immersed in this culture of ours. And what he says is, don't value wealth. <laughs> don't live for wealth. Uh, don't be become devoted to wealth. Certainly don't love it. You know, he comes along and, and he says, don't live for this thing that everybody else is living for. Don't allow it to become a primary motivation in your life. Don't make it your goal to live life piling up more and more and more money in the bank so that in the end you have the most toys before you die. Don't think like that, Jesus is saying. Now, this is, as I say, dramatically different from what we're used to in this culture of ours. Um, what we have to do is remember, my friends, First of all, Jesus is talking about the heart, which then produces a life. And there is a heart in this culture that says, get more and more and more. And it causes people to live in the way that many people live. And Jesus is saying, instead of valuing money, devalue it. Don't give it importance. Instead of loving it, and if you go to the latter verses in this text, you're going to love it or hate it. He says, choose hate money. Hate it. Instead of being devoted to it, don't be devoted to it at all. No commitment to this thing that he is describing. You know what the word devoted literally means? It's to be zealous in attachment, loyalty, or affection for. <laughs> He's saying don't be zealous for this attachment to money. Don't be loyal to it. Don't have affection for it. And that moves toward the idea again of loving it. See, Jesus is saying very literally, that's not the way of my kingdom. That's not how I want you to live. That's not what I want for your hearts. This isn't important, this thing called wealth. Don't give your heart to it. Don't give your life to it. After that, J Jesus does what he does in other instances. He gives a kingdom rationale. He gives a logical reason for the uh, instruction that he has given. He says very simply, you don't live that way because wealth can be either easily destroyed or stolen. It's simple to him. It's, uh, he's saying it's a temporary reality. It doesn't last. It's not to be counted on. It can disappear. 
I think we've seen that in the stock market in the last few months, how quickly this thing called wealth can evaporate and be gone. Jesus makes the point. And then he says in a later passage, second rationale that he gives to us is understand that loving wealth, treasuring it, being devoted to it, is spiritually dangerous because you will end up serving it and not God. You'll come to a place where you love it and not the Lord. You will, be, you will come to a place where you, where you will be d- devoted to it and you will despise God. Um, and we find this in numerous places. Jesus later on, Matthew 19, describes the reality that it is hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Now, note that he doesn't say that it's impossible. As a matter of fact, he clearly says it's very possible. Thank God. But it takes a work of the Spirit to get us to the place where we really can enter into the kingdom of God if we have wealth and if we love wealth. I should say love wealth, not have it. The question is what's in our heart toward it. I want to flip over quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 6 because Paul reflects this in such clear uh, terms about, about our relationship with money and what we are called to. So listen to this as I go through this. I'm going to read 1 Timothy. We're going to start at verse, verse 6 and 7. It says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. And understand that. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. We bring nothing in, and we can take nothing out of it. That's the reflection of Jesus teaching. You know what? This thing called wealth, it doesn't last. So why live for it? Verse 8 says this. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And that's where Jesus is going. In our heart of hearts, can we be content with what God has given to us? Verses 9 and 10. Those who want to get rich, listen to this, want to get rich, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Talk about a threat to our spiritual lives. And then he says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I say it to you again, I can't say it more uh, clearly uh, than Paul has said it. He's talking about loving money and how it, it, it takes people far from God and far from faith and pa- far from the will of the Lord. Then verse 11 uh, says this, but you men of God, Paul speaking to his protege Timothy, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Do you see what Paul is calling people to here? It's like Jesus. He's saying, turn away from this love of money and pursue godliness. Pursue the things of the kingdom. And he's speaking about a heart condition which produces a particular kind of life. It's a powerful text. But in both instances, there is a warning for those of us who value faith and who value our relationship with God and who love God and who want to serve him with our whole being. Be careful with this one. Consider the condition of your heart. Know it. Get your heart right and live in a particular way. Well, then Jesus in this text, going back to to the Matthew text, uh, is pretty clear about what to do. Uh, he, he, He gives kingdom instruction, if you would. He gives instruction about how to live in the kingdom regarding wealth. So I'm going to read it to you again. Verse 20. 
verse 20, and it says this. Let me find it again. Here we are. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. That is to be the norm of life in the kingdom. Jesus comes along and, and he says, make your deposits in the storehouse of heaven. Uh, he, he says, build up a bank account there, if you would, that cannot be destroyed, that cannot be stolen, a deposit that will last forever. It's a remarkable thing that Jesus presents to us as a possibility. He says to us, live your life devoted to God. Live your life out of love for God. Live your life to serve him and him alone. And know that as you do so, you will be adding, if you would, credit to your account so that when you arrive in heaven, there will be rewards for you that are abundant and rich for you to enjoy for all of eternity. And I want you to understand what, what the heart is that Jesus is speaking from. He's essentially saying, when you think about living for wealth here on earth, it just doesn't make sense. For Jesus, that he takes the reality, the truths of the reality of the kingdom, and he looks at how people are living, and it just doesn't make sense to him. None at all. He says, instead of storing up treasure on earth, temporary, it can disappear. He says, store up treasure in heaven. Um, deposit, make deposits there in that account that you literally can enjoy for all eternity. To him, it's a simple proposition. So, for those who are followers of Jesus, and I've thought of as kingdom dwellers this week, we are to live, the text is saying, with an ent entirely different focus in life. I want you to grasp this. <laughs> it is an entirely different motivation for living. What Jesus wants is for us to give ourselves, our lives, our hearts entirely to God. To, to love him and to serve him, to be devoted to him. To live for him. Now, what does this mean? What does this mean? Well, let me suggest this first of all to you. We are to devalue money in a dramatic way in our lives. Those of us who live in 21st century North America, I think all of us need to hear this message. And we have to dramatically devalue money. To not think of it as important. And I mean that. This is not to be something that drives our lives. Not to be something that, that we're eager to take hold of. This wealth, this, you know, this desire to get rich that Paul talked about. And then we are to get our lives focused on God and his will and his purposes for our lives. That is to be the preoccupation of our, our lives. That is to be our focus. Jesus says it later in the same chapter. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be taken care of. You don't have to pursue them. Don't even bother. Seek first the reality of the kingdom. And I want to tell you, my friends, when we get our hearts right, and when we live in this fashion, it's going to produce a very different life. It really will. A life that doesn't love or value money, a life that's not devoted uh, to, to money, a life in which we use the resources that God has entrusted to us for him and for his purposes. 
So here we're talking about stewardship, the idea that we are stewards of God's money. Everything he entrusts to us, whether it's a whole lot or whether it's just a little bit. We don't get attached to it. We don't love it, <laughs> you know. And what we do with it is, is to use it for God, not for ourselves. It's not ours. It's his. And we have to use it in a healthy way, in a, in a good, spiritually focused, godly way. And this is what Jesus is unpacking for us. Now, I want to tell you, my friends, uh, if we are to honor Christ with our money, love God first and be devoted to him, we will be able to do this giving of our, the resources entrusted to, to God and, and for his kingdom purposes really easily. It shouldn't be hard. For example, we're called to tithe that which God gives to us. 10% of income going to God, to God's purposes. I want to tell you, that should not be a struggle for us in the kingdom if our hearts are right. If we don't love wealth and if we're not devoted to it and if it's not a treasure to us and if our goal isn't to pile it up in, in, in significant measure, well beyond our need, we should be able, ideally, with the right heart, to tithe God with joy and with, with gladness, easily giving it away. Let me say this, and I'm going to be really pointed to you today. But if you struggle with tithing, it probably means that you love, value, and are devoted to money way too much. Now, I say that to jar you a little bit because we sometimes need jarred out of thinking in the way of the world. If you tithe and you do it with great gladness and with great joy, your hearts are probably in the, you know, more in the right spot, in the right place. I want to go on. Give 10% to God. Well, what about the other 90%? Um, have you thought about that? Because here's the reality of stewardship. Everything that God entrusts to us is his. And everything that he gives to us, we're to use for his purposes, not just 10%. So with the other 90%, we're to come along and we're to say, Lord, how do you want me to use this money? What is your will for this which you have entrusted to us? What is your will for us using this money to create the kingdom? Now, I want to say that will include um, a lot of things. But clearly what Jesus is saying is that using that money to accumulate significantly beyond our needs is not part of the kingdom reality. Now, that's such a challenge for us to hear in North America. Like that's, that's just hard for us to get our minds around. But my friends, that's what Jesus is saying. And a lot of people will hear this and they'll say, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. And he's going, no, I'm not kidding you at all. This is, this is the pathway to life. This is, this is the reality of what money is and the reality of where your heart ought to be. This is how I want you to live. Take that 90% and use it for my purposes to accomplish my will in this world. Now, what is that? Well, somebody once came to Jesus, and many of you will know this, and, 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 and they asked, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love God and love your neighbor. <laughs> we can live our lives in terms of our financial resources, well, God's, which are entrusted to us, based on that dynamic, love God and love your neighbor. Love God with your resources and love your neighbor. You know, we, we are to love our families. We are to provide for them. God is completely desirous of that. Uh, and, and of course, we will do that. Uh, we can go beyond that, you know, uh, with the right heart. And then do whatever it is God leads us to do with our wealth. Let me just say, a lot of us 
are wealthy. I'm speaking to wealthy people, people who have excess, people who have the capacity to store up in a large measure well beyond their own needs. The Lord come, comes along and says, again, life is not all about you. It's about my kingdom. It's about me. It's about accomplishing my will. So I hope you're receiving the challenge. So what does this mean? <laughs> well, I want to suggest to you uh, a rather radical concept. And it, it is simply this, that we learn to live like Jesus in a much more simple fashion. I think that's the life that grows out of a heart that has been transformed, that doesn't love or treasure money <coughs> or wealth or seek to accumulate significantly beyond what our needs are. And yes, I know we need to save for retirement. And yes, I know we, we have to have homes to protect us in the winter and all those things. God wants to bless us with the resources he's given to us. And he does give them. <coughs> but can we live more simply like Jesus? You know, when you look at the life of Jesus, you can clearly see that he didn't value wealth or things he didn't live for it it wasn't in his heart it wasn't his desire to accumulate great wealth what was in his heart well, i want to tell you what was in his heart because he clearly communicated it to us it was to know and to do the will of his father and to complete the task which his father gave to him that was the preoccupation and the passion of jesus you see, he lived seeking the kingdom as he calls us to live seeking the kingdom. And he gave his life to that end. When you think about loving God and loving neighbor, he did the will of the Father. And then he cared deeply for people. He cared deeply, passionately. This is what was in his heart, that people would repent of their sin and come into a relationship with God through him. That they would come to a place of faith, in him as the son of God who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin that we might find that forgiveness and be reconciled to God. Jesus died to accomplish that. That was the passion of his heart. Jesus was passionate that people would be healed, that their needs would be met. Jesus was passionate that the poor would be fed as he often fed them. Jesus was passionate that the kingdom of heaven would expand around his globe, that everyone would recognize himself as king and, the, and live under the rule and reign of God. Live according to the truth and the mentality and the understanding, such as I'm describing you, to you today, of the Lord. And as I've said, he died ultimately for that reality. See, Jesus focused his life not on the treasures of earth, not treasuring the things of earth, not piling up money in a bank account, so that he would have the most toys when the end came. He lived for the kingdom. He lived for the glory of God. He lived that people might know and believe in and love the Lord. That's what we're called to, my friends. Not wealth. You understand? You hear what he's saying? I want to think of it in these terms. If Jesus came here today and had all the money in the world, I feel like stopping right away and just saying, you know what, if he came here and physically was with us today, he would have all the money in the world because it's all his. But let's say he, he came here and he, he had access to millions and millions of dollars. What would he do with the, that, that, that money? What would he do with it? Let me ask you this thing. First of all, if he had to buy a car, would he buy a Maserati or a Ferrari? I've heard recently that you can buy some of these high-end sports cars for seven and $800,000. That's U.S., by the way. Now, 
just really practically. Knowing Jesus as you know him, understanding him from the, the scriptures as it tells the story of his life, would he buy one of those cars? I think if you honestly look at the values of Jesus and the way Jesus lived and the priorities of his heart, I think you can, in good conscience, say, I don't think he would. You know, he might buy a car, but it would be a lot simpler or more modest than that. What about if Jesus needed a home? You know, you watch these TV shows in, in L.A. and in the Caribbean and, 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 and then maybe in Vegas, and you see these homes for, of the superstars, whether it's in sports or in, in the music industry, entertainment. Uh, Drake, for example, I heard a couple of weeks ago that he has this condo in Toronto, and it is opulent. It is beyond description, the kind of money that he has poured into that. Would Jesus buy such a place? Well, I don't think so. <coughs> Not because he wouldn't be able to, but because he wouldn't want to. He wouldn't value that. He would far rather put the resources entrusted to him by God into the things of the kingdom, into loving God so that people could know and, and have a relationship with God through him and through caring for people to love them and meet their needs. You see what I'm trying to illustrate? You see, you see the point that, that, that Jesus' example brings to us? If our hearts are aligned with the reality of the kingdom. Money won't be important to us. Now, we might succeed in business, and we might have lots of it. We might have a pretty modest income based on the jobs that we have. That's not really the issue here. The issue is where our hearts, and because where our hearts are, what we value, what we love, what we're devoted to, that will determine how we use our resources in both instances. How about this one? I mentioned choosing a career earlier. <clears throat> My sense is that people choose careers now based on how much money they can make uh, if they actually achieve the career that they aspire to. Well, if I can accomplish this, or if I can get into that school, if I become this professional, then I'll make a ton of money, and that's what I'm aiming for. That reflects the values of this culture. It really does as opposed to choosing a career that can make the biggest impact for the kingdom of God, that can bless the lives of people, that can honor God, right? Sometimes we follow the will of God and we move into one of those professions that produces wealth. What are we going to do with it as a result? Sometimes we follow the leading of God and we don't have so much money in the end of the day, but we're doing what God calls us to do, and that's where our hearts are. That's where our passion is. That's what our eagerness is in life. You know, I, I met a young guy a while ago who uh, <clears throat> is really feeling called into pastoral ministry. Now, let me just say this before I, I carry on. We're not all called to be pastors. My goodness, can you imagine if we were all pastors? Even I wouldn't like that. That would be crazy. But, but we need pastors. We need people to step into leadership roles in the church and to build the kingdom of God by building the church and sending people out into the world to see it transformed in the name and in the truth of Christ. Anyway, I met this, this, this young guy who's really feeling called into pastoral ministry. He had a great discussion and so forth. And uh, afterwards, I thought, you know, up until a few days ago when I met that young guy, I knew absolutely no one who had an aspiration to become a pastor. And I haven't for years and years and years met anybody who wants to go into full-time pastoral ministry. And I asked myself the question in light of this text, why is that so? I think we have to recognize, at least in part, 
it's because pastors don't make a lot of money. It's not one of those things that is valued anymore because what is given value is wealth. My friends, we have got to stop living our lives based on where we can accom ac accumulate wealth and get rich. And we have got to start living our lives based on the kingdom reality as Jesus describes it. We have to lay up treasure in heaven, not on earth. That's not to be where we focus our, our aspirations and our desires so that we can live through eternity from that bank account. Can I put it that way? As a result of having been credited in our account in large measure simply because we followed the will of God here on earth. Give yourself to that. Live into that reality. One last text before, a reflection before um, we finish up. And I want to read to you, uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to read it to you, but I'm, I'm going to refer to it again, Th these strange verses that many people don't understand, verse 22 uh, and uh, 23. It talks about the eye being the lamp of the body. Um, and are your eyes uh, healthy? Uh, and, and, and if that's the case, your whole body will be full of light. Now, in Jesus' day, pre-scientific perspective, uh, contrary to how we understand things now, instead of light coming into the eye so that we can see, in Jesus' day, people thought that light went out from the soul into the world. And you could look at the eyes of a people and you could understand what's going on in their hearts. Jesus goes along and saying, if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You hear the question Jesus is asking? What is the condition of your heart? Full of light or full of darkness? And he's asking it to people who are in the kingdom of heaven. Do we see? It, it, are our hearts in the right condition? Are they full of light? Seeing the understanding and understanding the realities of the kingdom. Or are they full of darkness? And we're blind to them. That, my friends, is a powerful challenge to people in 21st century North America. Those who love and follow Jesus. Do we see? Do we understand the significance of what Jesus is speaking to in these verses? Listen to me. Final question in, in the end of the day regarding this text, very simply, is what is, number one, what is our life focused upon? What's important to us? What do we love? What are we devoted to? And in the end of the day, that question ultimately comes back to how are our hearts? What's going on in there? Are our hearts right before the Lord? Are our hearts first and for foremost in love with God and devoted to him? <laughs> and are we living ultimately for eternity, knowing that it's coming? knowing that is kingdom reality. I want to tell you, my friends, if we will live like Jesus, if we will embrace kingdom reality, kingdom truth, and step into it fully, we will live in a way that is incredibly different from everybody else around us. That's just the given. We will believe what Jesus says about the kingdom. We will embrace it and it will transform our lives. And we will be able to throw off the way of the world and embrace the way of the kingdom in the way that Jesus describes. So final comment that I leave with you. Who or what is it that you love? Who or what is it that you are devoted to? Who, 
Or what is it that you treasure? Where is your treasure? What do you value more than anything else? My friends, those are questions I hope you'll ponder. This isn't the kind of sermon that you listen to and you process and you move along from. This is the kind of text, this is the kind of sermon that needs to dwell in your minds and in your hearts for a while so that you can transform your life, transform the heart, transform your use of the money that God has entrusted to you so that you are in line with the reality of the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, what a challenge this text is. Um, Romans 12, we're called to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Lord, so often we are because we're just immersed in it. Uh, we, we do conform because it's the norm in our society. And we think like other people think and we, we love like other people love and we use our resources in this instance like other people use our resources. And then Jesus comes along in the power of his word by the movement of his spirit and he says, whoa, that's not my way. I call you to something more, something greater, something of lasting significance. I call you to fully embrace kingdom living and to use your resources to love God and love people. To lay up a treasure in heaven, not on earth. So God, I pray for all of us. I pray for the people listening today. I pray for myself as we face this challenge. And I pray that we can step more fully into the kingdom as we are seeking it, God, through this series. Help us to step in more fully, to live out its reality. Uh, Lord, to honor you, to love you, to serve you well. But Lord, also to encounter the joy and the beauty and the goodness of what you call us to. So, Lord, make us more fully yours in the sense of how we live. Lead us clearly to take some concrete steps flowing out of this sermon today, this challenge of the Word of God. I pray for every single person who listens that they might find a way to move more fully toward what you have called them to do. Lord, convict us and lead us and help us to change in our relationship with our finances and how we use them. Because your word has spoken to us today. And you have given us the deep desire to live more fully in your kingdom. Lord, we want to bless you. We want to love you. We want to be fully devoted to you. Help us to choose that, our God. In, in the fullest and most profound way possible. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So often we're together, I, I uh, conclude our services by challenging you to go from this place into the world to live in response to the word of God. Today I say go from this time, in the place that you find yourself right now, to fully embrace and live out the kingdom reality. Seek it with all your, of your heart. Take hold of it and discover the joy and the blessing and the goodness of God as you find it. To that end, I, I bless you in the name of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit that you might have the courage and the wisdom and the grace to take hold of his truth and, and respond to it in faith and obedience as it has been spoken today. Go from this time and live your lives fully for the Lord out of a heart committed fully and wholly to him.